Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture was important to them when they were young. But today we have an interesting person, but we're doing it differently because it's New Year, New Us, kind of. So Cassie Delaney's back. Yep. It's been a while, actually, since you were on the show. It actually has been, it's probably been over a year since I was on the show, but not since wow. I've been in the background of the show laughing away. Here I am. And we're talking about something that's so important. I can't believe it hasn't ever been talked about before. It's the most important <laughs> pop culture yeah. moment. The sequel to your first episode as well, like directly the sequel. So what we're going to do is each of us uh, are going to go through a piece of work which changed the trajectory of our lives. So it's sort of like high stakes juvenilia, right on? Oh, yeah. This is like extreme juvenilia. Like yeah. the general juvenilia vibe is here's a piece of pop culture that influenced us when we were a child and maybe pushed us further towards the direction of the work we make or it informed how we in- interact with the people. But we're talking showstoppers here today. Yeah. What was the thing that pushed your life into Oh yeah, direction? this is like before and after kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it's a watershed. Is yeah. that what they say? It's a watershed or Watergate? Watershed. Watergate's Thank a crime. Yeah. <laughs> watershed <laughs> moment um, in your pop culture life. Um, so Cassie... Uh, Start us off. Jesus, the Start pressure, off. guys. Right. So, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm hearing everything you're saying, and in my head, I had a little panic there because, like, this probably isn't the thing. This is the thing that has influenced my enjoyment of the world more than anything else, mm-hmm. and yeah. who I am as a person. And it is such a deeply rooted part of my personality. It hasn't necessarily influenced my work, though. I would like it to. But it's a different career path altogether. But the piece of... I will argue, I know what you're about to talk about and I will argue that it has influenced your work. Okay, potentially. Uh, and there's a there's a critical scene that we'll discuss that maybe has. But the piece that is the most important to me, more than anything, more than some members of my family, is Sister Act 2. Mm-hmm. Not Sister Act 1, which we have talked about before. Sister Act 2. Sister Act 2. So, Sister Act 2, I will defend to death, is better than the first film for numerous reasons, right? But obviously everyone knows Sister Act 2, although I've been preaching the good word of Sister Act 2 for years and I have heard from people that they haven't ever sat down and watched it. So if anybody doesn't know, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, is a 1993 musical comedy based on the lives of Crenshaw High School Choir and it stars the just the legend that is Whoopi Goldberg reprising her role as Dolores Van Cartier, a nun who uh, is in hiding from her mafia ex-boyfriend. This is the plot of the first one. Goes into hiding, into a convent, is taken under the caring wing of Maggie Smith and she becomes this, um, not becomes a nun, but like fills the shoes of a nun and leads the choir to great success. In the second film... Crenshaw High, the nuns are all teaching in a secondary school or a high school and Whoopi is asked to return and take up the role of the music teacher to take this group of of unmotivated, uh, underachieving students and set them on the path of musical geniusness. And when she's in the class, obviously discovers that not only are they incredibly talented, but the problem is that no one has ever believed in them before. And in comes Whoopi, fills the students with hope, love, support and great things happen to them. It is just beautiful. What a vibe, you know. It's, I mean, it's that classic kind of like, not makeover story, but like the inspirational uh, oh, but like Dead Poets Society, uh, there's another one where like a teacher goes in and re- reinvigorates a classroom full of students. With Dangerous poetry. Minds. Thank you. Dangerous yeah. Minds. Yeah. Uh, perfect. I haven't thought of Dangerous Minds in so long. It's that, it's that the, the, res- the story of restoration and of support and hope, right? Yeah. That like, all you need is someone who will stand in the corner and believe in you and great things can happen. And everyone has a secret, um, incredible ability to sing underneath it all. Underneath all that. Like also is another one like that where it's just like, look what happens when someone is excited about you. Exactly. Mm. Right. So it's beautiful. Okay. Now, reasons why it's better than the first film. Number one, the music is better. Like what are the jams? So like, I mean, you've, you've got this like incredible scene. First of all, the cast as well. Fantastic. But you have this incredible scene where like a scene where they, um, 
uh, Ryan Toby, who plays Amal, who's like one of the like little quiet boys in the class. Um, he's kind of like a goody two shoes. He gets a lot of slagging, but a lot of respect from his peers also. Um, so he, there's a great thing where he sings, Oh, happy day. And he hits an E natural high, which is like one of the toughest notes to hit for singers, yeah. vocalists ever. And at that's the point a, that's Phantom of the Opera yeah, beyond yeah. like the highest like, there's, yeah, that, yeah. there's that beautiful scene where he, where he hits that like unbelievable note like he's only 16 in that scene where he hits it so like that in itself is really impressive um, so you've got the joyful joyful you've got the the final big number at the end is um, oh mine's gone blank here um no, sorry. Joyful, joyful is the song at the end. Oh, happy day is the song where he hits the natural E high, E high E, or whatever. But throughout the film, there's this kind of reprise of if you want to be somebody and you want to go somewhere, you got to wake up and pay attention, and then just all the laws. And this is the song and the message that carries them through the whole film. Um, and that's like that in itself is completely inspirational. But I suppose at the core of the plot is. Rita, who's played by Lauren Hill, and she is the one who has the most promise, the most incredible voice. She's obviously in a family situation where her father was a failed musician. Her mother's struggling, working loads of jobs, working really late nights. Rita's been pushed forward to study and pursue academia. And, you know, that's how you make a living. That's how you put food on the table. And her mother isn't very supportive of her um musical career because she just doesn't see it as a way of life and you know she doesn't see Rita being successful in it and doesn't really give Rita a chance to it but Rita's passion is music and being and singing in the choir which Whoopi obviously sees but her behavior at the start of the film is like manifesting in this like really outspoken cheeky bad behavior in the classroom so she doesn't really get a chance to sing until we have this beautiful scene where she is with um one of her peers and they're singing his eye is on the sparrow oh, stunning just a gospel st- music would take your head off your shoulder oh mm-hmm. my god it's just it's incredible um i mean i'd go weak for a harmony but like oh, these so kind cool. of like at the i suppose in they are still like contemporary harmonies but like this is the first time you're hearing like hymns sang in this beautiful way with like rap and kind of like urban influence filtering through it was just it was absolutely mind-blowing so then obviously Whoopi sees Rita's promise and kind of is encouraging her to participate in the choir and trying to get her to this big state championship finals because obviously subplot the school is running out of money they haven't got any like future they need to raise loads of money and raise awareness for the school or else the school is going to become a parking lot so they realized that the school had previously had this incredibly um, successful choir who'd won this state championship of competitive choral <laughs> singing. And they were like all inspired. And they're going to go off to the state championships and win. Totally reinvigorate the school, give them something to believe in, save the day, you know, literally, oh, happy day. And so um, Rita's mother will not give her permission to go sing in the the championships right but like the whole film is this kind of like conflict between what Rita wants to do her mother's sort of very level headed this is what you have to do to be successful and then her trying to pursue her dreams when all odds are against her and then just what happens when someone from the outside comes in and gives you that little bit of support and encourages you and takes you on to the state championship and tells you to take off your robe and you get to perform and be your true self. It's just, I mean, there's nothing better. There's nothing better, <laughs> is there? Yeah. So when did you that respond whole... to it like that? Yeah, when did you see it? Like, like, I, did you see it as a kid? I definitely saw it as a child. Like, I think it's the film I've watched. I mean, I've watched it. I watch it generally three or four times a year. I'm 31. It came out in 1993, so I've approximately seen it, I don't know, hundreds upon hundreds of times. Um, The reason, well, I think I reacted to it, like, I suppose it it inspired me because, I guess, 
just the idea that like if you apply work ethic and like your general work ethic to any sort of dream that you have like you can succeed um, and it's not just about like going off and obviously winning first place but like she was just happy to be doing the thing that she loved and there's this, this fantastic scene where Whoopi is um, talking to Rita on the street and she's like Rita if you wake up and all you think about is singing then you're a singer you know, if you wake up in the morning and all you think about of poetry, you're a poet. And it was just that kind of like, if there's something that is niggling at you so much that it's consuming all of your thoughts, that is the thing that you have to go and pursue. Even if it's not for work, but like you just have to allow yourself to do it and like mm-hmm. to create the space to be able to do it and then to be successful in it. Um, and I, that scene has always stuck out of my head. There's actual, There's an actual book that she gives her that is a real book that I'm going to like Google here in the background um, but it's a beautiful it's a beautiful scene and I suppose at the time it doesn't make sense to read it because she's like why is this nun who's so passionate about singing telling me that I'm a singer when she's a nun but um, as the film progresses and they realise that Whoopi Goldberg is actually a Las Vegas showgirl or headliner they uh, it, all, it all falls into place and makes sense um, but yeah I just think that like it's a real story of triumph. It's a real like you put in the work, you you get better, you can succeed. You know, it's and it's simple. And then also it's just like beautifully illustrated with, with music and gospel music that just makes people happy when they hear it. So mm. yeah. Thing. That whole thing of like a person, the that's a Jim Henson thing with the just one person who believes in you thing. And that's something that got under my skin when I was really young as well. The idea, it's so powerful to have a person, especially if you don't come from like a place of other artists or other like, like uh, people who do the thing you want to do, to have somebody who's like, I believe you can do this is life altering. Like it's literally life altering. So I guess seeing it within a really lovely story like and like it's a like from my memories of sister acts the sister acts like they're great crack do you know oh they're like, very they're not, funny they're not fucking heavy it's not like desperately miserable like depictions of of survival against oppression it's 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 very celebratory you know completely and i think that's what's really enjoyable about it as well is that like you do get a sense that like they're in a very like lower socioeconomic situation mm. the odds are against them and yeah. they still triumph they win the competition spoiler I mean the film's like 30 yeah. years old it's fine can't spoiler a 30 year old film but, can't. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the key things in it sorry it's Letters to a Young Poet is the name of the book that Whoopi gives Rita in the film which is an actual book but um, I think one of the things about it that's really enjoyable is that like they are not good from the get-go. A lot of them are good individually as, you know, there's the kind of great sa- scene where they sing for the first time in the classroom when they're kind of sort of beatboxing, making a beat on the table. And Whoopi realizes that they can sing and then she's like, I'm going to turn you guys into a choir. And the first time you hear them sing together there's a choir. <laughs> it's terrible. Like, you know, it's really bad. But it's just, it's the progress of them working together and learning to work together that is a really important lesson as well is that sometimes like you need to put your own ego aside or your own talents aside and work in harmony, literal harmony with a group of people for the greater good. And that's stunning. And then by the end, they just all have their parts to play. They all shine. They all have their little like moments during that final joyful, joyful scene that are absolutely stunning and they are better for doing it together. And I just think that's a great lesson as well to learn. I do think I would argue that that does in, like that that has impacted the kind of life that you live and the kind of work that you do because you operate a you operate a network, you know, like you operate and facilitate a world where a bunch of people who want to make things for the airwaves make things for the airwaves. Do you know? Like if somebody comes to you with an idea for a show, you say, "Okay, we can make that happen." Or if you don't believe that it can happen, you don't. You know? Yeah. Like there is something of that in what you do now. I also think that operating a podcast. Studio, 
is the closest I will ever come to successfully being in a recording studio because I cannot, (laughs) I cannot, and I have tried and I have participated in gospel choir, um, but I cannot make a living as a singer. Even if Whoopi Goldberg followed me around every day and told me I could do it, I I still wouldn't. If I lip synced to Whoopi singing, I still wouldn't be able to do it because I just... I was in a choir. I was, I used to be like the little, you know, the little red haired one in the first sister act. Mm. That was me. I was the baby in the in the Garda ladies choir, in the cop choir. And as I get older, the more I'm like, hmm, that's not a cute story. But I was in the choir for two years. My aunt and her best friend, Bridget, she passed away a couple of years ago. And she was sort of my fairy godmother, if not my, Paula is my real godmother and Bridget was my fairy godmother. And when I was in college, I was going through a particularly bad breakup. And uh, they were like, get a grip, come to the choir with us. So I would meet them at Stephen's Green every Tuesday and they would bring us up to the Garda HQ band practice area and we were in choir and we did all these mad Christmas shows and we, like, I was just the baby. Everyone else there was a cop's wife. It's- and I was just, hi guys, I'm 21, you know, and yeah. the high soprano. But isn't there something, there's something I think so special in, um, you know there is something obviously so special of being in a choir because like you are a small kind of hog in a bigger machine and it just sounds incredible Mm. when you're all together and it's you know it's just it's it's like totally expressive art to be able to like Mm. you know for music to just step in where words fail and you can just literally sing any emotion out of you or sing whatever frustration out of you as part of a group when you're contained in that like nice safety of Mm. being surrounded by people you really trust but like creating art with other people is so much more satisfying than doing it on your own when you when someone takes what you have and enhances it or like you enhance what someone else has and it just together it 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 becomes this much bigger beast than you could have imagined there's something so satisfying in that Um, Mm. and I think that like I definitely I, I, I love to sing I absolutely love to sing I'm just not very good at it um, and I was like that in a gospel choir in my teens um, and I, I miss it sometimes like genuinely miss it because I miss it all the time I miss it all the time I'm just like I miss singing so fucking much because hmm. like, singing by yourself is totally different I was yeah it's totally different yeah. to being in the choir because when you're singing in a choir you have to like Work. tamp, tamp yeah. yourself down and you can't yeah be the showy one in a choir because you're ruining yeah. the choir if you do that mm. no, you, you have to, to, to you have to, to like let yourself become a part of something bigger than yourself yeah which i think is a very nice thing and when it works it when all the harmonies work together it's the nicest feeling yeah and you feel it inside like there is nothing in the world that gets me like a harmony it is mm. just so satisfying I used to stand next to Bridget, my fairy godmother, and um, God, when did she die? She died this time of year. She died in December 2018, 17, 18, 17, 17. And um, whenever we we were singing something in fucking Latin or singing like the national anthem, God help us, instead of singing any of the lyrics, she used to sing fish and chips and fish and chips and fish and chips and fish and chips like she'd sing the whole fucking national anthem just as fish and chips and fish and chips and i i would be the, the t- that that made two of us standing next to each other in soprano singing the wrong fucking words but nobody could tell because all that mattered was the noise that we were making carried the top part that we were meant to be carrying mm. you know and our mouths were moving in a way that made it look correct. Um, but I will never, never, as long as I live, will I forget that of standing in this huge body of other singers and Bridget singing the words fish and chips to the national anthem or P.A. Yezu, like just. I love nothing more than whipping out a P.A. Yezu when I am drunk and insisting <laughs> that those around me sing the harmony. I'm like, listen to me, guys. I'm like, listen to me. You know, I can hit the high note in PAAs. And I mean, I can't. I can't. I just really (laughs) think I can when I'm a couple of wines in. Um, I was trying when I was a teenager. I did loads of classes when I was late, like when I was in school and then upwards. And I'm a high soprano. And I know my highest, my highest ever note is the F. 
Um, and I sang it when I was lying on the floor. My old vocal coach used to make me lie on the floor when we were singing. Yeah. And uh, Or bent backwards over a chair. Yeah. Like just to access the parts of your lungs and your, your stomach. She used to call it womb singing. Pull it right yeah. up, you know. Mm. Oh, and, I, can, uh, I can almost hear it in you now. Just like, and I used to really badly want to be a t- like a, not a tenor, but an alto, you know, because so many more of the fun songs are alto. Yeah. You, know? you didn't strike me as a soprano now, Sarah. I have a deep mm. speaking voice, but I am a high soprano. Who knew? Um, I think we've I got all the parts, assuming Alan's a tenor. Um, yeah, I was a baritone in school, but then in the choir, the alto choir I joined, they didn't have any tenors, so I had to really? force myself into being a tenor. Oh, the so my voice got higher over the five years, but like it's yeah, yeah. Your voice does change, though. Um, Fergal, mm. who's who's uh, works with us in the studio, um, he's a classically trained opera singer. Opera singer, yeah, he's yeah. incredible, and uh, he's been teaching us to kind of, well, try and sing a little bit better. Um, oh, we want to get in back into the studio, Cassie. Fuck, <laughs> I know, but like our 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 choirs just like the victim of COVID. Like, are they ever going to yeah. get to be a thing again? Because that's just a lot of people together breathing yeah. a lot on each other. <laughs> mm. Singing is one of the ways that you catch COVID worse. Yeah, you know. Mm. Like it's one of those things that it's killed karaoke. <gasps> or IP mm. karaoke. I mean I can I can live without karaoke, but like What's your karaoke song, Cassie? Um well like definitely City High, what would you do? Which is interesting because trivia for you, um Amal, Robbie, uh, who I mentioned earlier, who hits that high note, is in City High. Hey. So I'll get back to my sister Fax in a while, but um, what would you do is like, I know it word for word. I don't even need the karaoke music on it, but like when karaoke is put in front of me, generally a little bit tipsy, I do insist on singing Joni Mitchell case of you, which I can't, can't do any justice to. <laughs> Or and then like or just like and then deep into sad Joni Mitchell, then picking it up again and with a little bit of Fleetwood Mac dreams. Um, but yeah, I will if you ever if we ever go to karaoke together, I'd be like, do you want do you want to listen to me sing sad Joni Mitchell for you? Do you want me to ruin the evening? <laughs> do you want me to sing it badly? We'll do it. We're going there. Mm. Yeah. Alan, what about you? What's your karaoke song? I, I went to karaoke twice ever. What? Yeah. The first time was on my honeymoon and it was in Malta in um, the karaoke bar was in the cargo hold of a docked ship that had been turned into a permanently docked restaurant. So we were down in this hold. So I decided it was, it was also someone else's wedding. It was like the day after their wedding thing. So we went to a wedding on our honeymoon in Malta. Um, So we got very drunk with someone who worked at EMI and she kept demanding the DJ play Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I had my first fucking Red Bulls in like 10 years as well. It was a, so I just, I decided I should sing Kiss by Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have Great. I have the video of the entire thing. I forgot to move even once. I oh was, no! Because I was so I got really self conscious about it, even though I was two Red Bull and vodkas in. <laughs> so I like I. It's basically no perfect. I think watching it back, but I do not move an inch. I want to see it on. Thing. You drop in the group chat. I think I posted it on Vimeo. Yeah, it's up there somewhere. Uh, and then did it on the cruise once where one of her tape mates found out I was in a choir. So she was like, will you do a whole new world with me? And I was like, okay. So I had to do, I had to be one of the people doing a Disney song at the Disney karaoke because most people don't, you know? And then I did ring, uh, what did I do? Did I do ring of fire? No, it falls uh, in prison blues. Oh, nice. Yeah. I decided These are so classy. These are such interesting choices. Uh, yeah. I wanted to do National choices. Express. I didn't have it though. So. Because any word, anything with a swear word isn't allowed on Disney karaoke. Right. So it really so. limits your choices. Yeah. When we were graduating secondary school, I was uh, in the choir um, for our graduation and we weren't allowed to do Don't Stop Me Now because it included the word sex machine. And instead mm. they allowed us to do R. Kelly's um, Ignition. <laughs> yeah. I personally sat in the vice principal's office being like, Miss Casey, R. Kelly is a pedophile. <laughs> And you're telling me that we're not allowed to use God only knows, which is too romantic, or um, Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, because it uses the word sex in it at our graduation. You would rather us use a song by a pedophile than you would 
use these two the, the, a fight a fight that i will never forget that i lost it's mm. still not very like, very funny i wonder how many um uh like people around our year graduating year we we must have all graduated in around the same time but like how many people did don't stop me now because of or don't stop believing because of glee don't stop believing mm. because of glee. but don't stop yeah. me now also big and then forever young or the graduation song oh. like right there you know we used to, i fought yeah. so hard for god only knows i fought so fucking hard god only knows like, is beautiful song about people kissing huh Beautiful, beautiful choice. Mm. Oh, and the harmonies, come on. You know that Brian Wilson shit in. Like I used to love I used to love karaoke so much. We lived um we didn't live near Berkeley, but we would get the Bart out to Berkeley to our friends. Um I have a friend who was a karaoke DJ, um, whose DJ name was DJ No Homework, because then when when you hear no homework you go, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was my friend Nate's really into karaoke and um my karaoke song was always um a Bonnie Tyler. So I do hold now for a hero. Oh, yes mm-hmm. and also living on a prayer is a great karaoke song you really get oh, it yeah. yeah big power ballads big flexes you know I uh, once found my one of my favourite songs Emma Bunton's <laughs> Emma Bunton's uh, single um, which is called Maybe and I remember opening the karaoke book and being like sorry I listen to the song every day this is my song and when I put it on the karaoke machine it was a key too low for me which there is nothing worse mm. than being like, I can fucking hit this out of the park, man. But this is too low. This is not going to work. It was a very long three minutes. That's a very light song as well. Uh, yeah, it's up here. Yeah. I'm assuming it's like in C or something, you mm. know, and uh, they put, put it up there in D and I was like, this is a bad experience for everybody, but uh, whatever. It'd be a big power ballads, um, big, ones there's one really flashy note in holding out for a hero as well mm. so like only one you know like you're not you know i just want that one clap we used to do hallelujah in the choir and oh. but we used to do it a cappella so the piano player would give us the note at the start but the very first time we did it at a concert he played a d sharp instead of a c and it was like halfway in when you realize you're like oh shit this can't this is not gonna yeah. end well the, no, it we we got there like it was, but you could I could feel my throat coming apart as a, you know just did spreading you do out. Music for the lead insert. Yes, I did. I picked guitar. Though. What did you? Do? I take guitar. Yeah. Did you do No, I didn't do music for the lead insert. My musical um career was I do play the guitar, but um my musical career was I I was very much the Lauren Hill in the situation and my mother was Lauren Hill's mother and he was like I think you should focus your efforts on other things because this is not going to work well for you Um, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have the Whoopi Goldberg force in my life who believed that I could be a successful singer and still don't and rightly so rightly so I would say like this is the thing I went through a phase in my early 20s when I was doing spoken word of like interspersing my spoken word sets with songs that I would play on my ukulele I know how 2012 that sounds but this was in 2009 okay so please reframe your like judgment about there is no judgment here I scored an entire documentary with a ukulele in 2010 so like it was a long time ago right Mm -hmm. and it was very different i've been playing the ukulele since i was a teenager so fuck off my dad taught me whatever um but i'm not very good at it but i can't i'm proficient it's right here in this box next to me hilariously there you go i literally have one next to me um i don't play it really that much anymore but i used to intersperse my sets with these jams and um I remember dating this lad who was related to a fancy musician and him saying to me, he's just like, you know, you should really give this a go. And I was just like, you are lying, man. <laughs> Something in you knows, right? Where you're like, I don't think I've got the thing. I think I can do a little bit of this, mm-hmm. but I don't think I've got the real thing, you know? And I think the real thing is a very, um, you know, when you hear it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. I do love when someone is so... Um, so utterly supported of you and blinded by your lack of just like blinded by the love and ignoring of your lack of talent when someone's like mm. you could you could really do this like if someone ever says to me you know you're good at singing I'm like you must really love me because that's <laughs> not true 
Same. It's like, oh, thank you. That is a generous take. Thank you for your love and your support, but it is misdirected. My sister is pitch perfect, so I know what musical genius sounds like. Mm -hmm. And I know, having sang with her, that I can't keep up with the things that she's capable of. Does she want to? Will she come to karaoke and sing Sad Joni Mitchell with me? Oh, I'd say she would and all. Oh my God. I'll send you along. I'll send you along some little bits and pieces that she's done. She's fucking fabulous. I, like, it's I just really think there's, there's nothing better than, uh, and I'm very supportive of hearing other people sing in harmony as well. I just think it brings such a great joy. I think that's why Irish Women in Harmony is so special as well. Like yeah. their cover of, of Dreams is absolutely sensational. Oh. Um, but yes, I've been talking for a long time. We could actually talk forever about Sister Act 2. We could keep... About singing. We just rethemed this episode singing. <laughs> like, My thing is kind of related to what we've been talking about. Yeah, you're about, a radio so well so jump into it. Yeah. Let's talk about it, yeah. So when I was 12, my father decided he would try to get me interested in golf because golf is his thing. He's been playing golf since he was like 15. Okay. He used to like walk up to the golf club himself with his golf clubs. The water golf clubs at the top of a very big hill. So he used to walk up there with his golf clubs every like weekend and play and he's been playing like his entire life. Uh, so he started me off by caddying for him um, on Sunday mornings. And I'd go up at six o'clock in the morning and go with him and he would give me like some money afterwards, like a, like a fiver. So one day, and whenever he was playing golf, he would throw all his change into a side pocket in his golf bag. So one day he went, you can either have a fiver or you can have whatever's in that bag. So I took the mystery bag and I got 11 pounds out of it. So my friend who okay. lived next, my friend who lived next door, Patrick, he was like a couple of years older, he was like fifteen, and he's got a part time job and it started buying albums. So he was like, I'll sell you one of my albums for eleven pounds if you want. So he gave me an option of like two or three. I can't remember what the other ones were, but the one I took was the Benz by Radiohead. So I brought it home and put on my like the big headphones, shared headphones we had in the house, and listened wow. to the Benz for the first time. Wow. And it was I was kind of, I was into it, but then I got to like, I think midway through the album, there's song seven is just and song eight is my, my Iron Long. And when I heard my Iron Long, I was like, I think this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. I think, because he gave me the album and said, look, listen to it tonight and if you want it, if you want it, you can keep it then. And I got to the song eight and I was like, I'm keeping this album, probably going to listen to it forever and ever and ever. Because I've always loved like music, but Radiohead like the American alt rock that was around the time was kind of scary aesthetically because all the videos were like, like, you know, old Jesus and stuff sweeping and everything was brown and kind of weird and everybody was wearing torn clothes. A Radiohead aesthetic was like some nerdy boys who nevertheless trashed their guitars around a lot. And I was like, oh, I could be a nerdy boy who trashes his guitar around a lot. That's me, I think. Um, so I got, and I just listened to it like constantly, like, and then I got I got duped out of giving it away by my another neighbor. He was like, my sister has both of those albums on the CD, so I can tape the Benz and Pablo Honey for you if you give me the CD and I'll swap you a taped. And, no. the, and I was like, sure, I'm a trusting guy. This seems like a good deal. You wouldn't screw no. your old friend Alan. Pokemon cards, jiggery pokery here. Oh, now. yeah. Don't so then I just, but then once he had to set, I was like, I think I was so embarrassed that I got duped that I, I went, went off it for like a year and then OK Computer came out and they played Glastonbury and I, I like watched all of that Glastonbury and BBC like staying up till three in the morning watching it and then there's something about the way Johnny Greenwood plays guitar that just appeals to 13 year old boys yeah because he looks so cool but not in a match not the way like Noel Gallagher looked cool Noel Gallagher was all like macho swaggery yeah. Whereas Johnny Greenwood was like this very svelte man in like an anime t-shirt with wristbands, nevertheless trashing the shit out of the guitar. You know, actually, I, I ended up buying this thing that was like the enemy put out a collection of everything they'd ever written about Radiohead from 1991 up until like 2003. Beautiful. Which is so interesting. Yeah. But they were obsessed with Johnny Greenwood's like um, sexuality and gender for like the first two years of the band. They were like... They were like, we think Johnny Greenwood's gay and like hinting at it that they, he was like the exotic gay one in the band. He's like, he's married to a woman now. So I don't think that was ever actually a thing. But like it was a thing. It was definitely part of his like mystique, mystique and aesthetic. Yeah. Um. So I, I didn't have a guitar then yet. But that Christmas I knew I was getting a guitar. I, like it became the most important thing in the world for me to get a guitar. 
once I listened to the Benz. So what I used to do was I was doing tech graphics in school. And you know the T-square you have when you do technical graphics? You used to use I used to use it as a guitar in my room. That was off my room and play along to the Benz. So it was actually worn away at like the place where you do the chords and apply for solos. The the wood was worn away on the guitar because I would like... That is the sweetest thing I've ever heard of ...fantasize about that so much. And then I actually got a guitar and had to actually learn the songs. And then that became less... I, tried, I got a guitar when I was 13 for Christmas. And after a couple of months where I still wasn't progressing very far, I decided to try out the T-square again. I was like, this is nothing. This is fake. I can't, there's no enjoyment. This fake ass guitar. Yeah. Bullshit guitar. Yeah. But like once I got a guitar, then I was like obsessed. Did and you find it difficult to learn? Like how were you when you were figuring it all out? But because I'd been playing on the T-square for a year, <laughs> I was actually quite a decent strummer from the off. Like Your had, fingers were definitely like too stuff. nimble. Yeah. Like I was definitely like regarded as a guitarist in school, you know, like people were surprised. Uh, and that's very important. Yeah. People were surprised I didn't do music in college and stuff. This is the thing, yeah. especially in schools in Ireland at a certain time, mm. there was a very, as a person who exclusively dated guitarists, there mm -hmm. was a, there was a kind of a social power to the guitarists. Mm. Oh my God, of course, there was male. nothing cooler than a guitarist. Like oh, yeah. from the Anytime. age of 13, I'm going to say into 22, 23, like nothing sexier than a musician. And just yeah. then when you kind of get into your late 20s and there's people who are still trying to be professional musicians and they're not, mm. that's when things get problematic. You have really like a safe, sweet spot in your like teens to, to shoot for that. Do you know? Mm. Like, I wish I'd known that more clearly or something. Oh, yeah, because you know? I was definitely, I was one of the first in our years to play guitar. There was one guy, Colin Flood, was playing a year longer and he was like, a year longer. No, he wasn't. I was like, I idolized him. I started growing my hair. He doesn't, I, I was denied this, but it's because he had long hair. I was like, I should grow Aww. long hair. So I did. Um, but I denied that hugely at the time. So I think he was annoyed about it. Um, but like, yeah, like being that one of the first guitarists in your year, it gives you like a little bit of authority. Oh, absolutely, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't used to. Um, yeah. Because uh, I was in a band from transition year until the whole way through college. Like, we all moved down to Cork together and went to CCC. And I recorded an EP and stuff. And then that all just kind of fell apart. And then just I just stopped playing guitar entirely. Until this year. Because YouTube, like, realized... I, if They were like... They were like we see what music you're, what videos you're watching. We think you might be a lapsed guitar player of a certain age. And started showing me like effects pedal videos. There's all these like, um, uh, what, I, what word am I looking for? Cadre, I guess, of like effects pedal dads who all do videos for each other. And they're like really high production values. They're the guys who actually make the pedals, like do these pedal things. So I got really into noises again. Um, which is really nice and also for our for our fifth anniversary Caroline got me a new acoustic guitar which is just the nicest thing Aww. to get it's right there you can see it um, so yeah just I kind of I skipped over that because I when I finished the band I was like still using all the stuff I'd gotten as a teenager so I was like suddenly oh I have disposable income and yeah, this interest yeah. now which this interest requires a lot of disposable income I can actually get back into this in a big way again. You can build your own effects pedal boards. You can have so much fun. Mm, which is what like, I'm going to do. Right there for you. And it's it's void of the like weird political performances of being in a band or mm. being in school. You can just do it for your own joy and your own pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, I just like sat downstairs today and played Radiohead songs. Mm. It's, so, it's, yeah. it's so nice. It, it really is, isn't it? It's so funny because mm. like when you're when you're in your teens, like your hobbies, your your those kind of things are so important to you. Like I was the mm. same. I, I wouldn't go a day without playing my guitar. Mm. Um, and I had a lovely acoustic um, jumbo, uh, not the Gibson, but that was always the dream. And I remember being like, I had the Epiphone jumbo and I was like, oh, the minute I have money, I'm going to buy a Gibson. I'm going to buy, mm. you know, that, that Gibson jumbo guitar. And then you just like... Yeah real life kicks in and you get jobs and you get whatever and like I mean I will play my guitar but my guitar is over in my parents house because it's big and I'll play whenever I go over 
but like I broke a string on it there like uh, maybe a month ago two months ago and I just haven't bothered getting getting new strings Mm. I mean COVID and everything but like just at what point does that happen do we stop being like my guitar is the most important thing in my life Mm. I think maybe the Lehman I think the best I've ever been at guitar was the like the day of my Lehman practical because I played like the same eight songs every night for three months. What were your eight songs? Oh, okay. Um, so you have to do, f- if you're doing eight, you have to do four solo and four group. So uh, four solo. <laughs> yeah, four so- there was a version of Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley from one of his live things of just him. So I did that. Also, they have to be like two minutes long max. You have to cut them down hugely as well. Uh, so Last Goodbye, I think I did Hallelujah. Um, I did just one of the songs in our band. I had a very my part was just very complicated and continuous. So I just did, it sounded like a song by itself. So I just did that cool. and something else for the group ones, because you need variety. I got someone to teach me a trad song. So I played that with a violin player or a fiddle player. Um, two Muse songs. Look, you got to do it. Come back, Alan. 17 like, in 2002. Come on. come on. Yeah. Coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Shout out anybody here who was 17 in 2002. <laughs> like, you were into Muse. Like, I did Plug in Baby oh, yeah. and uh, what's it called? Plug in Baby goes so hard. Oh my God. Mm. What a banger. Oh, like, I've played gigs with bands, but still, the best, my favorite playing experience of my life was when we practiced Plug in Baby in the school chapel and a crowd had gathered in the oh. chapel by the time we finished. I was like, oh, cool. Um, so satisfying. And, That's yeah. your, like, that's your like come to church moment of like mm-hmm. when people you just you you are seen as cool for the first time in your peers' eyes and they're like that. Yeah. Like I think in my in my head we had that as the gospel choir. Um it, retrospectively now as an adult looking back on how teenagers te- treat each other, I just think I was incredibly naive and I don't think that people thought gospel music was as cool as we thought it was. But like that getting recognized for like other people enjoying the thing that you're enjoying is really mm. really yeah. cool yeah. oh and then we also did um an improvised uh sleazy blues thing called that we decided to call rendezvous and just put it down as like a range arrangement alan mcguire and paul murphy nice. my friend paul just did like little bluesy chords and i just did a very sleazy solo over for two minutes beautiful. and that's it's fine it was beautiful yeah i think that letting i think the only reason that i got to go to college my other grades were so shit was my very solid A2 in music. Thank you very much. Nice. Due to my practical, like the music practical was my fucking, again, it's something where you're like, oh, I'm good at this. Mm. You're never good at it again, ever. Yeah. But you're good at it in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's all it matters. But like you yeah. could be good at it again. And we definitely have the makings here for a small. Do you have a family band? Yeah. A small yeah. folk band. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I'll go on bass. Al, you can take lead guitar. Sarah, whip out the ukulele. I can also play synth as well. I know how to operate a uh, omnichord. So amazing! We perfect. We're absolutely set. Whelan's hook mm-hmm. us up. We'll perform. Three point harmony. We'll do one of those other voices things. Yeah. Oh, you don't need stop. stop giving them all to C Matt. Give one us. Yeah. <laughs> give us one. I want to be a cowboy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about actually? C Matt's range. C Matt's range is gorgeous to sing along to. I gotta say. Like she has a really like I love singing along to C match. She's got a really good range. Like I can do that now. Oh, when you, know you find a singer whose range matches yours, it's the greatest thing in the world. I would it's sing so along nice. to Wainwright all day, only for his range is wrong. Do you mm. know? Like I have so many singers that I love, but I'm like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, you know, Zoe Deschanel, I can do that note for note. That mm. nice, like low soprano shit, easy breezy. I don't know, man. Those days are gone. What a bummer. You know, yeah. but they don't have to be. This is it. They don't have to be gone. Like I don't. Sometimes I kind of stop and I'm like, when the fuck was the last time I sang it properly? You mm. know, I don't. Maybe this is why people sing in the shower because the Now that I'm not driving anywhere anymore, I have, my voice is gone. If I sing, my like my throat hurts. Whereas I used to sing like every day stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta keep practicing, and mm. I'm glad the guitar has come back for you, and that you've taken this long mad journey from the golf course. Mm. All the way up to being a pedal head, you know? Like, yeah. what a cool cycle. I'm going to get so fucking nerdy about this shit. I've been reading, like, I've been, like, my pedals are all here. I've been looking up well, old reviews of them, find out if they're still worth money or not. These have held their value, unbelievably. I actually had decent taste in pedals as a 17 year old. It's Harvini babies. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was all because of the golf course. And the great thing about Radiohead is that Radiohead were always like two years ahead of me of what I was into. So they would always kind of drag you along with them up until... And then when the, about 2008, I was like, oh, I think I am listening to the same stuff as Radiohead now. You could, you could hear the influences. Yeah. Which is always really like... Boop. But um, up till then, like, it was like... Learning, learning, learning. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. We always... Staff my friend Dearman would always talk about this, how, like, Pearl Jam were the same age as our parents. We're like, what? Weird. Like, what? Why? Why aren't our parents, like, Pearl Jam? Like, it's... Why what? Why aren't... Yeah. Why do our yeah. parents like Pearl Jam are, you know? Isn't it... Isn't it... Like, it's funny. Like, I am... A, my music influences are so based in the 80s like I mm. would die for Paul Simon ABBA Fleetwood mm. Mac Joni Mitchell it's what I listen to like I never can share my Spotify at the end of the year because it's just it's it, it it's mm. so non on Fleetwood Mac Cassie I meant to say to you say when you were talking about Fleetwood Mac um, my friend Nate who I mentioned earlier is a karaoke DJ when he was leaving San Francisco to move to New York he threw like a the big literary reading like all of his friends read at this bar like this big show and at the end um, me and him sang uh, Stop Dragging My Heart Around Beautiful. and I got to do the Stevie bits it's and just, they just, it was the best feeling in the world yeah like, I mean I don't think you get like I'm obviously being completely general here but like they don't write songs like they used to you know, like no, they're different. It's different beasts. It's, it's mm. completely different. But isn't it funny to think that like our kids or like our youngest siblings will listen to like their retro music will be the music we have today? I'm like, it's as far yeah. from the seventies now. So the nineties and the seventies is today and the nineties. The kids who are listening to like fucking Fleetwood Mac are like us listening to Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Right. Mm. You see what I mean? Like, that's the gap. Oh, you know what fucks me up? The Sex Pistols album came out seven years before I was born. It feels like ancient history to me, but it's like the same year, essentially. To to, to like my nephew, that's the same. I'm the same as as the Sex Pistols, you know? Yeah, it's like, nuts. and how how far the culture of punk has come apart then. Mm. God, like, it's it's bizarre how quickly music dates and how the distribution, distribution changes, how quickly it changes. Like, I don't know, I... I listen to new music when I find it on TikTok, I guess. Sometimes I find bands that mm. I like there. But like... TikTok is a great discovery tool for music. Yeah. A couple of real bangers, like a couple of major bangers come out of that. Like that, in terms of discovery. That Stargirl song, the Francis something or other. It's... Send me it. I've been off TikTok for two months because I'm trying to fucking regain control over my consciousness. Um, um, it has gone downhill. Anyway... Uh, Sorry, do we are we looking at the the DC has gone into forced lockdown because uh, there's some um, pro Trump protesters taking over. The world is literally on fire at this moment. Let's check the news, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, what an interesting time to be broadcasting from. Mm. Like, it's just like it's so odd to be chatting away and then being also like also this is like the worst oh history my gosh. <laughs> what a strange, strange time i don't know man like i miss i miss music i i do find that sometimes um <laughs> cmat on my twitter at this moment is for reasons i do not wish to discuss i'm drinking draft guinness from a nutribullet attachment which is such a mood Um, i find that the music I, I i don't i do and i don't listen to new music but when i do find new music i feel like i'm having a fucking religious experience if i find no? new music that like that has that kind of storytelling throughout and like there are some there are obviously some like good contemporary artists who um you know who, who utilize sort of storytelling in their music but um, if I find one that really resonates, yeah, it's mad. But it just doesn't, it generally doesn't hit me like the classics do, you know? Like mm. the the heart that is in that Rumours album, you know? the I mean, mm. I think there's like, there's some incredible modern artists. I love Adele. She's got a new album coming out next month. Very excited. Oh, great. Oh my God, I'm going to dip myself in that, man. It's going to be great. Yeah, and like you know Taylor Swift does I'm not a big fan of Taylor but like she does do that kind of like uh, every so often she trots out a 
fucking banger. I went to see her. Um, I had just done the Camino in 2018. And I, back then I couldn't fly. I wasn't at all able for planes, like in a real sort of like granny way. I just couldn't handle planes. So I used to have to pop a Valium to get on a plane. And I had just walked across Spain and had like all these open sores on my feet and was still kind of a bit loosey-goosey from the Valium and had received tickets on a freebie to the second night of the Taylor Taylor Swift concert at Croke Park and just went. Yeah. I was just standing there, bleeding into my sneakers, slightly borked from um, Valium. But honestly, 50-foot inflatable snakes, I'm here for the pageantry. She also can't dance, which I relate to very profoundly. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's so awkward. And you know what? Like, leave a little room in the bed for us wonky, tall people, you know? Like, some of us just can't do it. Um, I do think that she has some tremendous... Like, I haven't really listened to the new albums because I don't have the psychic space to be listening to other people's feelings at that kind of proximity. Um, but some real bangers out there, man, you know? Yeah. Let's start yeah. our, our family folk band. Yeah, that's something we should do. Is start like a little dinky family folk The Tall band. Tales Orchestra. Tall Tales Folk Orchestra. orchestra. Yeah. There you go. Fuck you, Tiny Desk. The Tall Tales Orchestra. There Stunning. All four. Tiniest, remotest desk. Mm-hmm. We should probably call it there, guys, given that we've been going for 100 years. Do we want to talk about your thing? Usher, mine will go on for, and it's such a departure from where we've just gone. There's no point to totally disrupt the chat. All right then, Patreon it is. Uh, yeah, I will hold mine over mm-hmm. for a future conversation because I will talk about it at length and probably make myself cry. Um, this is well, a very creep dive ending to an episode. I think this is Cassie's influence. <laughs> yeah. just drop it's the like, story oh, the there's the time. Off we Welcome go. I'm giving you five like minutes. Us, you know? Yeah. Uh, all right then I guess we'll leave it there um, so what do we need to do the things it's been a while since you recorded what do we do at the end of an episode uh, uh, thank you Dee McDonald yes and thank you Dee McDonald for artwork and we miss you Ellen uh, we still think of you every time mm-hmm. you're so a spirit. spirit we say to people that they should join us on Patreon where yes. we are very loosey goosey and we just have lots of nice chats it costs very little and it goes a long way um, we thank Tall Tales and Cassie is here mm-hmm. to be thanked directly for housing us and minding us and making sure that we go out live uh, every couple of weeks and we say that you should also listen to The Creep Dive and a couple of other podcasts that you find on the Tall Tales network and beyond that so do check out Tall Tales and the other offerings that they have it's a especially broadcast check out broadcast oh the where you can get all of our content is slowly living in the one place um, we're putting everything we've ever created up there and you can access all of that and there's some premium content that you can pay a little bit extra for to access as well if you want to there we go there we um, go first one of 2021 done bam start as we mean to go on yeah care for our cousins loosey goosey very cozy everybody mm-hmm. take care of themselves beautiful yeah. I had a great time guys thank you Thanks thank you Cassie we'll see you in two weeks everybody bye see you in two weeks Bye. Come on, throwing peace signs as though anyone can see this. (laughs)